It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? I don't know about you guys, but I'll tell you what. I am a Mr. Rogers fan. I'll tell you. I loved Mr. Rogers. Loved him. Loved him. Uh, how many of you guys actually watched him? Can I have the lights up a little tiny bit and maybe these down a little bit more on the side? Um, Mr. Rogers was an awesome, awesome person. Uh, he was America's favorite neighbor. That's what they actually called him. And he was obviously the host of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Uh, he was a, just a simple man who taught simple things, simple kindness and simple truth and, and how we should treat people on a daily basis and how to show kindness, love, respect, all those different things that are really necessary for us to learn. He taught kids. You know, he taught children everywhere just to love themselves and really to love each other. And he spoke to us about what it really meant to be a good neighbor. That was his whole message. Pretty simple. His show ran from actually from 68 until August 2001. He had 998 episodes that he did. Can you imagine? 998 episodes that began the same way. Singing the song, Please Won't You Be My Neighbor, and changing into this sneakers and a zippered cardigan. You know, that's actually in the Smithsonian, his cardigan. Because he was such a, 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 an epic thing, you know, everybody grew up with him. So he had this simple way about himself, but, you know, kids flocked to him. And I think they flocked to him because he was very authentic. And he was very real and genuine. And, you know, you could see into his heart, and you could tell that if he really cared about you. I'm going to tell you as a kid, I will tell you, whether he was able to see me or not, I felt like he did. I felt like he knew me. Specifically, he knew who Deb was. And he saw that being a good neighbor was an important thing. And he knew this neighbor thing actually had bigger implications than just what the world was seeing. He saw it in bigger terms because he knew that it was actually foundational to our faith. He was actually an ordained Presbyterian minister. And uh, he knew what God's word actually had to say about being a neighbor and how we're supposed to be a good neighbor. And his life message really was simple, but it changed people. It changed their destinies and it changed everything, just like the word is when we start to put it in effect into our lives. So what does this neighbor thing really mean? You know, obviously tonight, the whole entire night, the focus has been on being a neighbor. You know, we played the game, do you know your neighbor? The reason why I tried to get you to repeat each other's names more often is because the whole point is for us to get to know each other, to have authentic, real, genuine relationships, that we would get to know each other on a first-name basis, not just something where you come in and you don't get to know each other, you don't get to know about each other, but the whole point is really to get to know each other's names, get to know each other's likes, spend some time together and have real authentic relationships. So that's why we did this tonight. You know, obviously we're talking about being a real neighbor. We're going to talk about it in scriptural uh, terms. 
and we're going to talk about how the world relates what neighbor is. You know, we all have neighbors. Do all of you guys have neighbors? How many of you guys know, know your neighbors? You actually know them by a first-name basis. You know, the thing is, even if you live by yourself in a far, far away place, far from everyone else, you still have neighbors because our neighbors are basically everyone who walks this planet Earth. It doesn't matter if they're right next door to you and they come over and borrow sugar or not. If they're just on this earth, they're your neighbors. So they're the people that um, wait on us in the drive-thru. Maybe if you're a person who works at a fast food place, you're the person who's waiting on them. I mean, they're your neighbors, the person you're waiting on. Those who teach us, those uh, we teach. You know, so these are the people, our neighbors, that God is telling us to love as you love yourself. Basically, I want you to understand that neighbors, the word neighbors and others, are kind of like... Uh, transferable here in this. There's different translations. Some say your neighbors, some say others, but both are just, you know, they mean the same thing. So the specific phrase that I titled the message for about, you know, um, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, the thing is, a lot of times we walk around this this world and we really don't interact with each other in the way that we are meant to. We're supposed to get to know each other in a better way, and we're supposed to show kindness and respect and love. And uh, God tells us that we are to love as you love yourself. And the reason why I did this is because it's very important how we see ourselves. So a specific phrase is actually mentioned eight times in the Bible. In the chapters of James and uh, Galatians, Romans, Luke, Matthew, and Mark, there's quite a bit of this mentioned. Uh, a few examples in James 2.8, and I'm going to read you out of the message translation. Love others as you love yourself, but if you play up to these so-called important people, you're against the rule, and you stand convicted by it. See, the thing is, we're never supposed to be preferential about who we spend time with. We're not supposed to only go to our friends and be nice to. We're supposed to treat everybody with respect, no matter who they are, no matter how much money they have, no matter what degree they have, no matter what clothes they wear. None of that matters. And God tells us that's very important in his, in his way of thinking. Galatians 5.14 says it this way, For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. This is an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? Basically saying that we need to treat people with kindness and respect. You can't, you know, backbite and hurt people just because you may like them less than another. You have to treat everybody the same way. Romans 13.9 says, Love other people as you do yourself. You can't go wrong when you love others. When you add everything in the law code, the sum total is love. We just not got too, too long ago, we, in uh, Valentine's time, I was telling you what love is. I explained to you, God is love. When we talk about what is love, what does it mean, what's the point of it, God's word says the only reason why we at all even can love anybody in this world is because he first loved us. That's what gives us the idea that we can love. It's because we're made by him. We're created by God, and we're given this. It's deposited into our heart. And so we understand what love is because of what he did for us. So this neighbor thing, this, this how we're supposed to treat each other's thing, you know, it's very important. And in fact, there's only one thing that's really mentioned above loving your neighbor as you love yourself, and that is loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So we can see that first God wants to be first. Then he says start to treat people with respect and love the way we're supposed to. You know, the main thing that we need to to key in on here, a key word, is self. There's a lot of people worried about self. 
Self is something that God definitely desires for us to tame. We're not supposed to walk around always being thinking about what we want, what makes us happy, you know, to, to think about what we would desire to do. You know, there's nothing good in self. You know, this idea of thinking that it's okay, you know, everybody, you know, there, there's psych, uh, psychiatrists that have this idea. It's like, there's nothing wrong with you getting your way. I'm going to tell you it goes against what God's word says because he, it says that we're not supposed to seek after what we want all the time. So we're actually told to control ourselves. We're supposed to discipline ourselves. We're supposed to put aside selfishness. We're supposed to get rid of the self that's basically in our hearts all the time. You know, God basically has a very simple order to things. Very simple. It's just us that messes it up. You know, basically God says if there's a three, you know, stack them up here, you're on the bottom. Others are next, and then God's on top. That's what it's supposed to be in life. You know, you're last. People, the next people that you come into contact with are in the middle, and God is supposed to be on the top. Unfortunately, we, you know, we don't do that. If we did that, we'd do well. But we mix it up. We do just the opposite. Obviously, we have God on the bottom most of the time in our lives. You know, others on maybe on the next step, we might treat people with some respect. But a lot of times, we put ourselves at the top. We think what we think is most important. You can tell people that think that their opinion is more important than other people's. You can see it. You can usually pick up on that. You can tell people who really are really self-centered want to be first, you know, hear their opinion first, uh, answer them first. You know, you can see it's a selfish attitude that you can kind of start to notice. You know, God knew that we were going to be dealing with this self-issue, he knew because he created us. He knew what we were going to be like. And uh, because he's so wise, he tells us, okay, you have such a thing with self. Selfish is such a big thing for you. Um, understand that because you know self is so important, start to treat others as you would like to be treated yourself. Because he knows that we put ourselves first. So if we would start to actually like even bring other people into it and think of them as well as we think of ourselves, then we'd do well. He knows that people like to be treated well, very much. You know, what's the golden rule? Do you know? Yes. Simple, basic rules here. This is not rocket science. This is just very basic understanding of what God would expect us to be. The thing is what's so great about God is his message is simple. It's just people and man that makes it so difficult and confusing. You know, obviously the world would be a much nicer place to live if that really happened, if we really treated other people as we'd like to be treated. Because we, a lot of times, don't treat people with much respect, but then we are really disappointed and upset when people don't treat us with the same respect. You know, a lot of times you want people to, to come up and smile and be friendly, but a lot of times we're having a bad day, we're not very friendly, we're not very kind. You know, you want people to smile and say thanks, and a lot of times you don't say thanks and you don't smile. But yet we tend to want things more from people that we don't really give ourselves. So this, this treat others as you would like to be treated is big. If we would remember that, we would do well for ourselves. You know, I've heard it said before that the base of every sin lies selfishness. If you think about that, all the different forms of sin that you can take place in your life. Relationships. Why do we get involved in relationships? A lot of times because of selfishness, because we get something from it. It helps us to feel good about ourselves. Um you know, money, jobs, you know, we take a job, maybe that could be really bad for us, but we do it because of selfishness, because we know that we can get ahead, we can get a better car, 
We can get this. We can buy clothes. We can do all these different stuff. It's selfishness a lot of times that we do these things. So I could see that, that that's probably true, that the basis of every sin lies selfishness. And uh, I believe that because, you know, I really have seen it modeled over and over again. You know, doing youth ministry for seven years, I'm going to tell you, I saw a lot of interesting things that have come in and out. You know, a lot of people that say that they're not selfish, but their, their behavior, their attitudes, their reactions would really tell me different. You know, Jesus never modeled selfishness, ever. He is uh, an amazing God because he walked around and he did everything completely for others. Everything was about being selfless, you know, less of self, not more, but less. So the thing is, you know what, I, I, I think that because of him modeling that, he always says we're supposed to follow him, try to act like him, be like him. We're supposed to model that more and more and be that uh, continually more as the days go on. Obviously, if you read God's word, though, you realize that there's a lot of people that didn't follow that. There's a lot of people that really became very selfish, you know, had selfish motives, and, and obviously Cain and Abel, you know, Cain and the jealous, jealousness that took place and, and selfishness and, and uh, even like the, um, why am I blanking on the thing? The prodigal son, the older brother, you know, very selfish, worried about the fact that, you know, this brother that came back was going to get this fatted calf and, and going to throw a party for him because he was very upset because, you know, where was the focus? It was on somebody else and not on him because he was doing good, you know. He was, he was a good person and, you know, he should be honored for that. And there's that, that motive of selfishness that people have. Throughout God's word, you can see people who dealt with that. But when you're selfish, it's all about you. Just all about you, all the time. You know, it's what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And, uh, you know, your first thought is, if this happens, how is it going to affect me? You know, is it, is it going to help me? Is it going to hurt me? Is it, it going to cost me this? Is it going to cost me, you know, is it going to take my time if I do this for somebody? You know, if that's what really runs through your mind and a lot of times throughout, you know, when something goes on in your life, if your motive is a lot of times if you start to think about how things affect you, let me tell you, you probably need some help. You probably truly need some help because you probably are way too worried, worried and, and uh, preoccupied with self. It's not spiritually healthy. Now understand, I, I don't expect you, if you have no relationship with Jesus, chances are you may be a very selfish person. Maybe a person who really doesn't think about others at all. Because you've never really understood what Jesus did for you, so you don't understand the selfish, selflessness that he did for you, so you don't understand what you're supposed to do back. You know, but to be spiritually healthy, you really have to keep pulling more and more of the selfishness out of your life and really change. You know, the thing is, um, I've met some people who are very selfish. They don't end up doing much for God. They really don't uh, because they're really too concerned with themselves and they are for other people. You can tell people who have longevity, people who are going to give other than, you know, outside of themselves. I'm going to tell you in youth ministry and doing this for the seven years, I'm going to tell you, I watch people come in here and they give very selfless of themselves. You know, here, you know, Luke, he don't, get, he don't get no pay. He still has to pay for his popcorn, even though he pops the popcorn, he cleans the popcorn maker. He still gets all that. You know, the thing is, it's selfless behavior. It's the fact that he wants to help. He wants to be nice. Sal, continually, always helping. You know, it's the same people in the back in the media. You know, they give because 
they see the worth in it. And they see that there's, it's a necessity. It's something that needs to be done. And it, they know that it's important to give, not just take all the time. And I told you what my focus is this next year is really for you to come in and understand that youth ministry is not something for you to just to spectate. You're supposed to participate. You know, you're supposed to be, uh, you know, actually being involved and, you know, taking part in it. Not just here, just watching and, and uh, you know, sitting back. It's not what it's all about. The thing is, there's generations upon generations that are supposed to do something for God. And if you don't do it, if you don't take your part in it, what's happening is there's going to be people around you that never understand what Jesus could do for them. If you don't take it amongst yourself to start spreading the, the message. You know, like I say, I've met some of those people. They don't do much for God. You know, if everything in your life goes uh, by how it affects you, you really do have some problems. You know, there's a saying that the only thing necessary to change heaven into hell, if God were to ever allow it, is selfishness. And I think that's probably true, too. Selfishness is mankind's fundamental defect. It's what we're just, we just have inside of us. You know, it's basically, like I said, a self-centered, self-serving, self-importance and God knew that at the heart of us lies this selfishness and that it has to be changed. It has to be defeated. That's why he says what ends up happening is once we accept Jesus as our Savior, he says he puts inside of us the Holy Spirit. And he says from then on is the, really a battle that's going to take place. The fight between you know, our own sinful, selfish nature or the Holy Spirit and what we allow to control us is what it's going to be that's going to take place. You know, if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we're going to start to see that there's different things about us that we're going to change. You know, we're going to not want to do certain things. We're going to see that we need to change some things about ourselves. Or, you know, all of a sudden you might find yourself wanting to do some things for other people. And you may not have even been that person before, but you start to see that this is something that maybe you should do. And I'm going to tell you, you won't understand it if you've never been saved. If you've never been saved, you're not going to understand at all what I'm talking about. You're not going to get it. Because it's something that different that takes place once we accept Jesus as our Savior. Who are some of the most selfish creatures that are on this planet? Do you know? Jared? Us? Yes, we are very, very selfish. Actors? Okay. Who? Babies? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say. Babies. You know, the thing is, there's nothing more selfish than a baby. If you've been around babies, I'm going to tell you, they don't care if you've had a rough day. They don't care if you worked hard, if you were working all day and night, and you're tired. They need something, they want it, they cry. And they're going to cry and cry and cry until they get their way. They don't care if you have money. It doesn't matter. They need diapers, formula. They don't care if you don't have the money. You better go out and get some because they need what they need. And the thing is, it's a right now behavior. Whatever they're feeling is right now, that's a reaction. You know, we learn as we go. As we grow and in, in mature, we learn more patience, don't we? You watch a baby, there's no patience. There's nothing. It's what they're feeling right then. They're angry. You know it. They're bright red. All you see is that little quivering tongue. They're usually silent. There's nothing even coming out of their mouth. They're actually just like, you know, for a long time. Then they get that one intake that, ah, and then they scream, you know. But babies are really tough to be around because they are very, very selfish. Because they've never matured. They've never grown past about what their needs are, and that's it. They only know and care about themselves. They don't care about what you're feeling. They don't care that you had a rough day. 
They don't care that your boss treated you like garbage all day and you're ro- things are rough. They don't care if the, the landlord's asking for the rent. They don't care. No big deal. Thankfully, though, over time, some of them change. Hopefully, some of you out there have changed. At least we hope so. Although I'm sure some of you guys have met some real grown-up babies before. I've met them. Thankfully, I don't live with any of them. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, there are some really, really selfish people in this world. In the book, All I Really Needed to Know, I Learned in Kindergarten, Robert Fulgham pointed out that the deepest lessons in life are the very simple ones. The very simple things that you learn in kindergarten, if you would take them, if you would apply them in your life, and you would actually live them now at your age, you would be way more of a success. How about this? Share. Everybody learns when they go to kindergarten, they have to share, right? You don't bring out gum or candy unless you have enough for everyone, do you? How about play nicely? You know, you don't get to go walk over and take something, you know, a play hammer, just whaps them in the head. You have to play nice. Play nice. I can't tell you how many times in my life I told my kids that. Play nice. Now, I will say, my kids were not allowed to treat each other badly. I didn't allow it. I really didn't. I think because of my childhood. But my kids did something that was rude to each other. I never laughed and thought it was funny. I never said, oh, that's brothers and sisters. It was not like that. When I talked to my kids, it was like, Shelby, that's your brother. Do you realize you will never have anybody that loves you as much as your brother. Shout and Cameron, do you understand that's your sister? My kids grew up really loving each other, and they respect each other. And I really think it's because I never allowed them to disrespect each other. I never thought it was funny when they hit each other. I'm like, you never hit somebody that you love that much. They're only going to be there for you the rest of your life. And that's one thing I'm really happy that both of them really understand, that they needed to respect and show kindness to each other, and they still are today. They're very kind and nice to each other. How about this? Everyone helps with cleanup time. You know, when you were in kindergarten, I was like, okay, time to put away toys. Everybody had to run and get the toys. Did they put them away, get them done? Unfortunately, that kind of gets left aside. How about don't fight? Wait your turn. There we go. Man, you don't see that today in, in driving, do you? Usually people are cutting each other off and, you know, they're not just cutting each other off but flipping each other off because they're mad, you know, and angry because they're not first and, you know, the, the stop sign's not going fit. You know, it's, it's like I'm, I'm not the most patient person. My husband knows that. And uh, a lot of times, you know, I'll be at the light and I'm like, did it skip us? I think it skipped us. I think it just actually skipped us because <laughs> I'm always too late. That's my problem. You know, but we have to wait our turn. It's foundational. You learn it in kindergarten. But a lot of times, for some reason, as we grow up, we start to think that we become more and more important and we should be first. Why are we waiting? There's other people that should wait for us. How about don't be greedy? Don't be a person that has to have them all. You ever see some of those kids when you go someplace, it's like there's cupcakes and you see them, they go over and take one, but then a little bit later they go over and they're like, take another one and another one. And before long, they have like four or five of them and there's somebody else looking over there going like, There's not enough for me. Don't be greedy. You know, there's many times where it's like, even in youth ministry, I'm surprised. Some people walk over and they'll be like, can I have another one? I'm like, wait to make sure that everybody else has one at least. This is not rocket science here. This is something you should be able to figure out. By the time you're like 12, 13 years old, you should know that everybody should have an opportunity to at least get one before you ask for more. 
one thing about being up here you're going to find out really quick is I love to have fun, but I'm going to tell you, I am a mom at heart. <laughs> you're going to know that there's certain things that you should learn. And I, my, my job for you is really to make you mature and grow, to challenge you in the people that you are and, and hopefully be, help you to get rid of self and become more of a, a mature adult. So basically all these things that you learn in kindergarten are just really foundational for today. Basically treat others as you would like to be treated and uh, treat your neighbor and love them as you'd love yourself. So selfishness. It's a what's-in-it-for-me mindset. You know, it's a stinginess. It's a self-preservation mindset, like I said. That's how this is going to help me, hurt me, how it's going to make me feel. Will this make me happy? If you get up every day and that's your thought, what is it going to do to make me happy? I'm going to tell you, Jesus didn't walk around just trying to be happy. If he was happy, he wouldn't have worried about going and running around helping people, touching people with leprosy, healing them taking people with you know, blindness and, and helping them and going out of his way and being exhausted and feeding people when he didn't feel like it. If he was worried about being happy, he wouldn't have done those things. The disciples, they didn't worry about being happy. It wasn't all about happiness. See, our world, we, for some reason, have this idea and this mindset that we're put on this earth to be happy. That's not in the promise, guys. It's not. It's not. Do you, are you supposed to have joy? Yeah. But joy is deeper. It's not whether an emotion, you know, a lot of times we walk through life, it's like it's a good day as long as everything goes right. Somebody says something, somebody does something, we're not happy no more. We're angry, we're upset. Then we start to treat other people around us less nice too, don't we? So it's not about just being happy. So do you treat your neighbors as you treat yourself? A lot of us have ourselves pretty high on a pedestal, pretty high on our list of priorities. Definitely a me mindset something to think about. You know, do you want people to be kind to you? Then be kind to them. Do you want people to be patient with you? Be patient with them. Do you want people to care about you? Then care about them. This is all foundational with your parents, too. I'm going to tell you, it really, really is true. You really do draw more flies to honey than you do vinegar. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, if you're nice, people are going to be nice. You know, if, I, if I'm treated with respect, I'm going to treat people with respect. Do you want people to trust you? Then you be trustworthy. You be a person I can trust. I am so thankful for the people that are up here because I'll tell you what, in the youth ministry for seven years, one thing, I mean, I've had a couple things stolen from me over time, but not much in seven years. And I really appreciate the fact that most people, even if they're not really that trustworthy other places, they've been pretty trustworthy here. And I, I'm really thankful for that. You know, that people, if you want them to trust you, then be trustworthy. If you give a person your word, tell them that you're going to do something, follow through on it. Don't backtrack and come up with a thousand excuses. Follow through. Actually accomplish what you're supposed to do and, uh, and take care of it. You know, here's a new concept. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a mind-blowing concept in this world today that I really wish you guys would do. Say please, say thank you, okay, and actually mean it. How about I'm sorry? (laughs) No one says I'm sorry. Everybody's like, you know what? It's just, you know, everybody's moving at a fast pace. No one says anything. You know, I'm really amazed when I go through a drive-thru. I go through a drive-thru. I buy food. I pay them money. And I say thank you. And they just don't say a word. I'm like, hello, there's something mixed up here. You're supposed to be thanking me. Me not thanking you. You're supposed to be thanking me for actually, like, buying and purchasing food from you. There's something mixed up with the way that things are done. I'm going to tell you, if you work in customer service, figure it out. Because I'm going to tell you, there's nothing worse than these people that don't have a clue on how to wait on people. 
You know, there's some of these restaurants you go into, I'm like, I cannot believe that people actually treat somebody that way. It's just ridiculous that people could treat somebody that way, and, and actually they still expect a tip. Not for me, you're not getting it. I'm going to tell you, you better be nice, because I'm not going to give you money if you're not nice. I'm still a sucker. I'll probably still give you a dollar, because I can't not give you anything. But uh, you won't get the bigger tip, but I'm pretty good at tip, and I'm not going to give you a good tip if you're not nice. Because I'll tell you what, there's something really wrong with these people that have this mindset that they're working a job, and so they deserve whatever you give them. And, and you know, they did something for you, so you should give back to them. That's selfish. It's a selfish thing. And before you lie, ask yourself if you would appreciate that person lying to you. You tell a lie, and you all of a sudden you're thinking, well, people don't trust me. Well, why don't they trust you? Maybe because you've been a liar. They can't trust your word. They don't know what to think when you tell them something. I hope that my word has more meaning than that. I don't want it to be something where people, every time I say something, people are like, oh, I don't know if I can believe her. I don't know if she said that, but whatever. And I don't want that. That's not what we're supposed to be. You know, before you take something, I'm going to tell you a lot of times this is one thing I've noticed, and I've had it happen to me many times. When I go through a drive through somebody that works there, they think they're being nice, so they give me something for free. You know what? If you paid for it and gave it to me, thank you. But if you work there and you're just giving it something to me just because you think you're being generous, you're stealing from your employer. They didn't say that you can give it to me. You're giving me something free. Yeah, that sounds generous, but unless it's coming out of your pocket, you're not giving me nothing. You're stealing. That's stealing. If it's not yours to give, then how are you giving it? You know, that's, that's, that's not right. I've had a couple people do that, and I'll tell you, it makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm thinking, now I just feel uncomfortable because basically what you're doing is you're stealing from somebody, and I'm part of it now. You know, if you would, would you like something like that to happen to you? If you're stealing something, you're taking something, you think it doesn't matter because it's something small. It's a big corporation, McDonald's, you know. What do they care? You know, they're not going to miss a Coke. Maybe not. But what if someone came into your house and said, you know what, it doesn't matter if you miss this. It doesn't matter if I take this from you. It's insignificant. You're not going to miss it. Would you want someone to rip you off? Treat people the way you'd want to be treated. If you're, before you're rude and inconsiderate, think about how you're going to feel if someone else is that rude and inconsiderate to you. I'm surprised at the way people talk to people on a daily basis. I just can't imagine. Maybe I am the generation of Mr. Rogers, but I'll tell you what, thank God for it. I don't want to be this generation if it's going to be horribly rude and ignorant and you can't be respectful. There's something wrong when somebody can't respect their elders. It's biblical. It's foundational. It says in the Bible, it says, treat your elders with respect and kindness. Honor your mother and father. This is what will let you live a long life. It actually tells you this. If you don't show respect and kindness, then how do you expect people to ever show respect and kindness to you? Don't give me the excuse either. This is the way I'm treated, so that's the way I'm going to treat others because that's not good enough. You don't get the opportunity to get a pass, especially if you're a follower of Christ. You don't get that excuse because he says, you know what, turn the other cheek. don't matter if someone treats you that bad. You're supposed to treat people with love and respect and kindness. I know life is not easy. I know sometimes people can really be hard to take, but I'll tell you what, you have to pay back hurtfulness and rudeness with kindness. Or you're never going to make an effect in their life. You're never going to make a tur- have them turn over and change and want to follow after Christ. If that's what you really desire and want to be an effective person that leads people to them, to, to Jesus. So it isn't all about you. No other religion, no other religion out there, not Buddhism, anything, teaches you to put others first and to love your enemies. This is foundational in Christ. That's the difference. 
Christianity, Christianity is the only one, the only religion that teaches you to be totally changed and become a person with a new nature. So the thing is, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're not just completely just, you know, you're, you're just changed a little bit. You're made new. If you really believe it and if you live it, you're made new. You become a different person. These self-centered people that you come into contact with on a daily basis, how many of you guys deal with them on a daily basis? People that think they know everything. They are rude. They're ignorant. They're hurtful. They may be people you live with. Man, these self-centered people, they're not easy to live with. But you know what? The thing is, sometimes they can be really not easy to spot. Sometimes they could put on a show for people. You know, they're capable of being very kind out front at first when they're meeting new people. And, and uh, over time, though, they start to show that they're more self-centered. You know, they start to see for themselves that most of them know that they're really not that great, that they're kind of unappealing, that people don't really draw to them. And a lot of times, even though you can't see that they're selfish, maybe in nature, immediately, usually it takes a little bit of time. You start to develop a little bit of a relationship. And then over time, you can start to see, oh, okay, this is the way it is. You're selfish. I get it now. (laughs) It's all about you. It's all about you. You know, you could come in and you could have a bad day. They don't ask you how your day is going. But if they're having a bad day, everybody knows it around them. It's all about them. They want you to bend over and run all over for them, you know, do everything for them, but for you, nothing. There's various degrees of being self-centered, but the general traits are the same, putting putting themselves first above other people, only caring about their needs and wants, being able to see anything from another person's perspectives, being uncaring of others, hurtful, rude, say things that honestly you would never think to say to people. They, They say them. It's nothing for them. There are times when... Obviously, all of us are guilty of being unkind, maybe not nice to people. But the thing is, with self-centered people, a lot of times that's just their MO. That's just who they are most of the time, all the time. If you start to get to know them, especially when the going gets tough, that selfishness really comes out. You know, Jesus says that's not the way you're going to follow him. If you're going to really truly follow, you can't follow him and be self-centered. He says, get rid of self, put me first, and then you can actually follow me. The thing is, with casual people, with casual followers, people that say that they really love Jesus but don't really change, don't really follow, don't really do the things, you know, Jesus was willing by far to get rid of those casual followers. He didn't care. He's like, man, either you're really going to follow and you're really going to be real, or you know what, don't follow me, that's it. He was, he was willing to let the crowds go rather than compromise the message that he was speaking. You know, he never settled for anybody being selfish following him. It was all about giving of yourselves. You cannot be selfish and really think that you're a follower of Christ. You cannot do it. If your motive is selfishness, you really better really rethink, look at yourself, and stop to think if you're really truly saved, if you're a person who's really truly found them. If you go out of your way and you help people because you think it's what you're supposed to do, then yeah, maybe there's something really there. But if you're a person who's always thinking about yourself, probably not true. James 3.16, I want to end in this in the message. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at each other's throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community, which is what we want in here. We want us to be healthy and happy and robust. A community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. That's what we're supposed to do. 
Treat people the way we want to be treated. It's not hard, people. We just make it difficult, don't we? For some reason, we just love people to bend over and, you know, be so kind to us and go out of their way for us. But then when it comes time for us to go out of our way for them, we just say, we're too busy. We don't have time. I'm sorry, I can't do that for you. I got stuff to do. If your motive is only about you, whether it affects you, you can't go out of your way and help this person because you have a job, you have this, you have that. Start to really look at yourself, whether or not you're a selfish person. It's not what we're supposed to be. We cannot be that and think you're going to make it. It can't happen. So anyway, I do want to uh, just really have you look at yourself. Be introspective. The whole thing, well, like I told you last week, we did the message about the mirror. The whole reason why I'm talking about this today is for you to understand that when you look at yourself, when you truly look into the mirror and you compare yourself with what Jesus would want us to do, how do you match up? How do you add up? How do you relate? You have to look at yourself and you have to see that there's something more that God expects for you. You know. So anyway, if you deal with selfishness, if you're a person that is selfish, then really I want you to pray about it. I want you to talk to somebody. I want you to ask God to help you to not be a selfish person. Ask him. You know. So anyway, let me uh, pray for you real quick. Well, Lord, I just thank you for each person that's here. I just pray, Father, that you'd help each one of those and also their families, Lord. I just pray that they would uh, feel your love, Lord. They'd feel your compassion. And I just pray, Jesus, that if there's selfish, selfishness inside of them, Lord, that they would uh, be able to say, lay that aside. And, Lord, I just pray that they would put you first and start to treat others with respect next and put themselves last. I just pray, Jesus, that you would help them, Lord, to see the way that they need to treat others so that they would be also treated the way that they need to be treated. I just thank you, Father, for your promises. We thank you, Father, for salvation. And I just pray, Jesus, for each person that here that doesn't know you, Lord, that, that you would just uh, draw them close to you, Lord. I just pray that they would... Feel your presence, Lord, and they would reach out to you. Lord, I thank you for everything that you're going to do, and we ask this in Jesus' name. I'm going to end with a little Mr. Rogers clip, the way he ended his program every time. All right? Feeling to know you're alive, it's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside, and when you wake up, ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling, the feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new and I'll have more ideas for you and you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will too. Next time. Bye-bye.